And now it's time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. In studio, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad. Star of our show, R.P. Joe Smith, the paper towel king. How you doing, Pop? I'm okay this morning. I'm uh, a little sad. This is a show we talk about the news. How come you're sad? Well, the uh, what's happening to my country over the last two weeks is, is just sad. Yeah. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about important stuff when it's that important. We try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, you have a shout-out. I have two shout-outs. First, I want to just shout out for the X-Ray crew. I, I don't know how much longer I'm, we're going to be doing this show. Uh, we, we, we're five years old. When we started, I don't think we thought for a minute we would last five years. But uh, Julia, Miranda, Sam, Chase, uh, I, I don't know who's on the board this morning, but but uh, they they just all, they're wonderful people. And then I want to shout out for Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. That's who's man, that's who's staffing the board this morning. Is Stacey Abrams? Okay. She no, she did. I mean, she after her start, you know, just transforming politics in Georgia and by extension the United States of America. She applied. We didn't accept the application immediately because we thought we wanted to respect the work she had to do in the great state of Georgia. Uh, but now, yeah, she's the one who's. You no, know, it's actually <laughs> Sam Smart Jesse. But uh, but alongside Sam is Stacey Abrams. She's got a mask. She's socially doesn't safe and responsible. It's all good. Okay, after you have trivialized what I'm trying to I'm do, Stacey Abrams is an amazing person. She is probably the single most important factor in changing the control of the United States Senate because of the work she did to get out the vote. Uh, there is a clear, clear indication that she's going to be running for governor the next time around, and this time I bet she wins. But the most amazing thing, in her spare time, she she's just finished another novel, which is going to come out in the 1st of May, called While Justice Sleeps. It has something to do with a crime thing involving the Supreme Court. She's just an amazing, amazing human being. It is a lesson of many things, including the value, as we think about the lessons of 2020, and so much attention spent to protests in the streets. Now more recent attention spent on a seditious riot in the Capitol. But the conduct that had the greatest change over time didn't start in 2020 or 2019 or 2018 or 2017 or 2016, started 2011, brick by brick, human being by human being, relationship by relationship, true grassroots organizing. That's the kind of stuff that ultimately listens to Paul Wellstone, just don't complain, organize. Dad, the House has opened an investigation into intelligence failures before the Capitol insurrection. Committee chairs said there's evidence that federal intelligence police were aware of possible violence targeting Congress. Committees will look into communication breakdown and whether or not inside officials participated in the insurrection. There is some concern that there might even be inside threats as we ramp up or cool down or at least travel towards the inauguration. They'll also consider policy changes to apprehend rioters and prevent similar situations from happening in the future. What else do we know, Dad? What are you learning? I know that you're sad about it. Well, the the, in, the inside participation is uh, is the most I guess the most troubling to me because the 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 breakdown of trust. Probably, probably uh, later this morning, I, I want to devote a little time to talking about DDT's legacy. But, but right now, it is worth just mentioning the the overriding legacy that that runs through just about everything that he has done and caused is the breakdown of trust. The uh, members of Congress are are realizing that some of their fellow members of Congress may have provided tours, reconnaissance tours, the day before the riots, 
so that uh, the folks who were planning to break in would know where to go. And the the members of the 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 members of the police of the Capitol Police, who apparently there were sympathizers there, who who may have aided and abetted what was going on, and and the the awareness that these thousands of National Guard troops that have been imported and will continue to be imported for the next 48 hours to protect against potential violence and, and in the over the the inauguration the need to vet them because who among them might also be sympathizers and might there be some nutty National Guard person with live inf- ammunition in a weapon who thinks this is a good opportunity to take out the incoming president is is just massively, massively scary. Turns out that nearly 30 sworn officers from across the country have been identified as attendees of the rally and the ensuing riot. At least 22 current or former military officers have also been identified. Among the most prominent is a decorated combat veteran from Texas. He's arrested after being photographed wearing a helmet and body armor on the floor of the Senate. Another Air Force veteran was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer as she tried to leap through a barricade near the House chamber. Video of the event also shows a large number of Oath Keepers, a militia made of current and former law enforcement officials. Dad, go ahead. And that ex-colonel who had the zip ties in his hand claiming that he just happened to find him on the floor and picked him up. And if you believe that, please call me about the bridge I have for sale. Experts in domestic extremism have warned for decades about efforts by far-right militants to recruit military and law enforcement officers. Let me say that one again. Experts in domestic terrorism and extremism have warned for decades about efforts by far-right militants to recruit military and law enforcement. Capital Riot, yet another reminder, paying careful and watching links between white supremacy and domestic terrorism and efforts to recruit members of current and former law enforcement officials. American police dad are three times more likely to use force against whom? Do you know? (laughs) Against BLM and environmental protesters. Left-wing protesters. Yep. Law enforcement officers more likely use violence against left-wing protesters even when demonstrations were deemed to be peaceful. Something like 5% and 1.4% difference. Police use force at 5% left-wing protests, but only 1.4% of right-wing demonstrations. That is true. Majority protests considered left-wing were, in fact, Black Lives Matter demonstrations. They also included pro-Biden, as I try to use the English language, protests and events associated with Abolish ICE, NAACP, and anti-fascist street movements. Majority protests considered right-wing were pro-Trump and pro-police. They included protests about coronavirus restrictions. Stop the steel rallies and QAnon conspiracy theories. So there you go. Also seems somehow related to the previous story. Dad, I rode my bike to to the studio for the first time today. No, a second. Did you really? Yeah. I'm impressed. It's an e-bike, so it's not as hard. It really is. I took off. I turned off the power as I got it. As I got in the. As I got really close, it's a lot harder. Like when you actually have to ride a bicycle. And instead of like having a motor, like when you have the motor, it's like a pedal assist. You're still like, you know, cooking it up, like burn, you know, got a sweat going like, well, I'm, I'm good at riding my bike. I'm a fat, I got a fast bike. And then, you know, I got like a block away and I said, I turned off the little pedal assist thing. I'm like, wow, this is, this is harder. This is a lot harder. So I'm a big fan of the e-bike. I'm telling you, it's going to sweep the nation. I mean, it already is sweeping the nation, but it, 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 I think, I think we have found other than what was that thing called that now everybody thought was going to transform transportation. Now it's just used at like Hawaii and like Maui for tours. The little, what's that thing called? The Segway, the Segway. Now there, there were great thoughts that the Segway would transform, would transform city planning because it is a really handy way to get around, but you just had to rebuild so much to try to make the Segway and they were so expensive, et cetera. But now that regular bikes are getting pretty expensive, so, you know, the people who like ride bikes, bikes, those are really expensive. E-bikes are expensive too, but not as expensive as a car. And the insurance on them, vastly less like zero. I'm telling you, the e-bike, it's the way to go. 
and that, and they don't burn a whole lot of gas. No, hugely, and I, like it, it's so environmentally efficient. I think it might be more environmentally efficient than me not having any bike because I would have to eat a lot of food to have to uh, to have to make it here without the motor. <laughs> what route did you follow? There was no plan. I just I, just roughly roughly north and roughly west. I just I, I, sometimes I went north. And sometimes I went west. As long as, and I only had to go south very, very briefly. As long as I just kept going north. Why did north, you have to go south at all? Well, because I overshot it by half a block, you, you so screwed, I didn't go screwed, against. You, you screwed up and went all the way to Killingsworth. No, no, no. I actually didn't screw up. It's just I followed Williams. I, I use the bike lane of Williams mostly. And that that you, if you go left, I haven't found the best bike route to head west from Williams. So I went up to Killingsworth because the bike route goes all the way up there, and then I and then I headed west on Killingsworth. So, you know, an extra half a block. But that's how I went. Mostly wins, but just find north and find west. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I feel like a new man. Uh, Dad, also, on the 20th, if people want to participate, uh, or at least view. At I, noon. Noon o'clock uh, Pacific time. Noon o'clock Eastern time is the inauguration. Noon o'clock Pacific time. And and, and th- this is the second announcement. You you weren't around when I made the first announcement last Thursday. I'm delighted that you are making the second announcement. And Sam, you're invited. It's at our and, and just you can just email me, uh, Jefferson at xray.fm if you want to come. We're gonna we're gonna be painting, we're gonna be painting the stop Trump. And here, Dad, I I, I figured it was actually it was actually Ian Greenfield's idea. Uh, the because uh, because so we've had stop Trump paint on the house right that's what this is about and, and at what point do you and, and Dad you I got to say you were lobbying to have it taken down like weeks and weeks ago I'm kind of glad now we didn't like with all the with the, the seditious riot in Washington D.C. I'm kind of glad but anyway so on after inauguration we're gonna we're gonna paint over it but Ian had this good idea because it feels sort of unceremonious or just paint over it oh well that that well, we're gonna have a plaque made with a little picture, but we're also gonna have we're gonna get it. We're getting a glass case. It's actually gonna be acrylic. We're gonna get a glass case, actually acrylic, and we're gonna put a put a paintbrush in it, okay? And we're gonna display it in front of the house. So just you know, break glass in case of democracy emergency. We will paint the house again if there is another tyrant that this would be tyrant that uh, that 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 invades the White House and occupies it or some other. Office of Esteem, we will we will be willing to open that glass case, actually acrylic, and take out that paintbrush and do what must be done. And we're going to auction off the wall. Yeah, you you auction off the wall, Pop. You get some folks there, line up Christie's. You get that you get that bad boy auctioned off. We'll see we'll see what that we'll see what that wall what that wall fetches. So anyway, we'd love to have people come by. It's uh, it's in Northeast Portland. You can just text me, or you you actually can text here. Sure, the text line is nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine. And but the question I had for people, you can also email me at jefferson at xray The question I had for people is, if you have any good advice for socially distanced snacks and ways to be a good socially distanced host. Now I figured it out. For a small group, and by a small group I mean three. Okay, I mean having two people who come over, because I have a porch that if we have one person in one corner and one person in another corner and me in another corner, then we can. And you can fit a fourth if somebody you know is sitting sitting next. If you're somebody in your same pod, that I understand. Right, that we figured it out. I get individually packaged snacks, etc. But if anybody has seen anything really innovative, or having some people in your front yard and then feeling like a good host, like you're actually providing them something, I would sure appreciate it. 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. Dad, what do you got next? Uh, so announcements we should make. West Burnside is still closed, folks, which uh, today's a holiday, so that's not such a problem, but it will be a problem tomorrow, and it will be closed until at least late afternoon tomorrow because of the landslide and the eagle creek trails which we were able to announce the other day were opened have closed again they of course were closed for three years because of the fire then they opened them and now they're closed again because of the rain so don't plan to go to go walking but if you want to go to a national park today or 
free. So you can get in free today in honor of Martin Luther King's birthday, which is, of course, actually the 15th. It is, in fact, the 15th. Recognized today, we would accept and appreciate remembrances. We've got a uh, we got a text from Aileen K. Thank you, Aileen. Senator Brian Boquist has left the Republican Party, is now a member of the Independent Party of Oregon. You're kidding. This just in. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, that That's interesting because I, I sent a, a an email to my senator the other day asking that something be, an investigation or something be done that Brian Boquist sends out email messages as from, quote, the Oregon legislature. And so you get an email from the Oregon legislature, and then you go into it, and you discover that what it is is a far-right screed from Brian Boquist. And I don't have any problem with Brian Boquist using uh, what he's done, of course. He, he got the Secretary of State's email list, which, uh, which, which was created... I think with some problems by the former Secretary of State who died in office, but I don't have a problem with the email being sent, but having the having it appearing to come from the Oregon legislature rather than Brian Boquist struck, struck me as really a problem, and I, and I hope that somebody takes a look at that. But he's left the Republican Party. To, to, to actually join the Independent Party, to join, join with Dan Meek and company? Apparently, yes. It's one of the interesting... The last independent members of Oregon Senate were Avel Gordley and Ben Westland. Uh, they changed their party registrations between 2006 and 2008. Uh, here is uh, the tweet from OPB reporter Lauren Drake showing an email from Boquist uh, to a staff member of the Oregon Senate Republicans confirming that Boquist is no longer a registered Republican, is not going to caucus with Oregon Senate Republicans. He says... Uh, he said, you have done well, chief of staff, best luck in the future. No, I'm not a registered GOP, as a GOP now and not caucusing with Senate Republicans. You should adjust your emails and confidential data accordingly, along with taking down my picture. We all certainly may have some common ground. Plus, if I hear stuff, I will send it along to you and Justin. Best wishes, Brian Boquist. Now, uh, uh, do you have... I'd like to actually... Well, if, he's, if he's not even going to caucus with the Republicans, he's... Uh, what, what, what committee assignments is he going to get? I don't know, but to be clear, with Democrats in charge, he is not going to lose favor with the head of the Democratic caucus, with the Speaker <laughs> of the House, with the assigner of committee seats by departing from the Republican Party. But you want to hear, Dad? Do you want to hear my? Uh, do you want to hear my less conspiratorial take or my more conspiratorial take? Both. Which one do you want? Okay, I'll do my less conspiratorial take first. All right. So Brian Boquist is kind of a law and order guy. All right. And he's got uh, he's got uh, he's got, shall we say, military intelligence ties. Uh, spoiler alert uh, for the more conspiratorial take. And I think the lack of power wielded by the Republican caucus and the chance to depart from it, because in this state they have had a recent sound and consistent losing record, seems sort of attractive to depart from that. Also, all this fleeing from the state. I think he might not have been a big fan of all that. That's my less conspiratorial take. That's just my looking at normal politics, everything gleaned from, you know, inferences based on what's been in public information. All right. Ready for my more conspiratorial take? Go for it. I think the, I think the intelligence apparatus in this country truly is afraid of what's happened it, with the right wing in this country. I think the, uh, I think that when, uh, when big data, when big tech, was starting to really started really crack down. I mean, we we know that. In fact, a good friend of mine, uh, in fact, the the best friend of a dear friend of mine, you know, his first job out of law school, excuse me, out of out of Stanford, was uh, uh, was working for the venture capital fund that is the CIA's venture capital fund, uh, and their purpose is to invest in emerging tech organizations so that they can get that technology out in the world and also they they can have influence over it, uh, and the and and you know. Generally, it's all in the game. Things happen, things happen. But if there is true risk of sedition, I think after that, when when Trump got kicked off, I think that's because 
Well, I'm not going to say I think. The more conspiratorial take is that big tech flexed. But related to that is Brian Boquist, he's, he's, he has military intelligence ties, right? He's like flown helicopters in, you know, in, for, for special ops. And, and I think that he has been, uh, I think, no, I'm going to stop saying the words I think. The more conspiratorial, because I don't have, I don't have direct information on this. Uh, this is vast speculation for fun radio conversation, but interesting that he has a uh, that he presumably one could tell the story has many relationships within the intelligence apparatus. He does, and they communicate with him and vice versa. They do, and he does. And one thing that they might be saying, I suspect they are, is that you know. The current version with all this stuff, uh, all this infiltration of the NRA that what we've seen in social media, we've seen with troll and bot activity. And now we're seeing with insurrection that the uh, that the people who are patriots first and conservatives second and particularly those with ties to military intelligence are genuinely concerned. So you could all again, the less conspiratorial take is enough. I, you know, they say, listen, somebody like Brian Poquist, I became Republican because I liked when we were like fighting communists because I was pro-American and I wanted to be the most American person. And now it looks like if they're willing to try to to topple the Capitol, I'm not that kind of cat. But anyway, that's my rampant speculation, the less conspiratorial and more conspiratorial take. But it'd be fun to talk to Brian Boquist about it. We should we should see if he'd like to come on the show. I bet everybody's gonna be asking him. We should ask him as well. Ex-Governor Rick Snyder, by the way, charged for the Flint water crisis. And you already mentioned that Stacey Abrams is likely to run for governor of Georgia. Uh, three high-ranking Democrats say her bid for the governorship is an open secret. Uh, she'll have to unseat current Republican Governor Brian Kemp, to whom she narrowly lost in the last election cycle. And, and Brian, Brian Kemp, I, I, I think, is is going to be punished for the one good thing he did because the... I think there are a lot of Republican voters in Georgia who will not vote for Stacey, but who will not vote for him either. Will either write in somebody, or if there's a third-party candidate, run for them, or 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 just leave leave that blank, because they are mad at him for not going along with DDT's lies about and and efforts to subvert the election. Andrew Yang is running for mayor of New York. All right. Later, we'll be talking to Tim Marcroft about happenings around the world. Pop, anything you want to queue up you want me to ask him about? Well, I really would like to hear what he what his view is, what's happening with Brexit and what's happening in Germany. The uh, Germany is going to have to get along without Angela Merkel. And that's going to be very interesting. Of course, her, her party may may not win the coming elections, but but she has been. She has been a marvelous, marvelous leader. Yeah, let's be clear. Angela Merkel has been, I mean, if you if you believe that the key for all of its imperfections and all of its inabilities to properly address climate change and wealth and power disparities, if you believe that the post-World War II pro-democracy, rough, roughly speaking, Western consensus was a significantly better thing than any other great power coalition alternative from Soviet domination to China domination to, uh, I don't know, some other some other option, then Angela Merkel has probably been the single most important leader to preserve that Western alliance, uh, to preserve that uh, pro-democracy Western, roughly speaking, consensus and had if she were stepping down at the same time that Donald Trump were staying, getting reelected, people who care about that sort of thing would be even more bummed out. Yes. Yes. The uh, Alexei Navalny has returned to Russia. Oh and yeah, that's a big been deal. Arrested. Uh, Navalny. And- Navalny, for folks who don't know, has been essentially the the most public critic of uh, Vladimir Putin and got poisoned and got rescued in uh, in London, right? And is now returning to his former country knowing, I mean, think about the act of courage that is, that you are, that you know, you know that when you return to your native country, your home country, you are either going to be arrested or killed and those are not mutually exclusive. 
You know that's what's going to happen. They're not not like a 30%. You know that's what's going to happen. You're not like Julian Assange, like, you know, hiding in various embassies. You're like, no, I'm going to go back, see what see what goes down. And I, man, I want to know. I'd love to talk to the cat, but it seems to me he's got Nelson Mandela on the brain, right? That the hope is, no, we are going to, that, that at some point the Russian people are going to have to rise up and call for democracy. And if that's going to happen, there's going to have to be acts of courage. There might even have to be martyrs for democracy. I have to say the Alexei Navalny returning to Russia is uh, just a deep, deep act of courage. And I'm going to watch with interest what happens to Snowden, because Snowden has spoken out against it. And Snowden, of course, is living in Russia because he is under indictment in the United States. And there is no extradition treaty with Russia, so he can stay there as long as they will let him. But Putin is not going to be happy with his speaking out because Putin obviously is behind the arrest. Angela Merkel, by the way, she's been in office 15 years. That's pretty good. She's like it's like FDR style. She's been around a long time. I also wonder. Well, I'm going to just make a list of the interviews I'd like to be able to do. The other one's Angela Merkel. I'd love to be able to ask her. But it, it, it appears to me, when did she announce? Uh, when did she announce that she is uh, that she is stepping down? It was after the American election, wasn't it? Yes. I think it's related. I see. I, I, I see. I think what's really going down, like this, is what's really going down, folks. And I have to, you know, I'm not invited to the meetings, so I have to read the penumbras and the the shadows on the wall that are being cast by events. But it seems sort of darn clear is the people who are trying to preserve the Western Alliance, the people who are trying to say, listen, uh, that uh, that democracy matters and we and the alternatives in global power. This is a big this is my big debate with uh, with Tim Marcroft, my dear friend. This is my my big my my I'm a patriot. I will let him characterize what he is. And to be clear, I'm a I'm a pro-democracy, pro-addressing climate, pro-poor people, pro-bending the arc of history of justice, patriot, and I believe actually making sure the United States does right by those things is essentially the only meaningful chance, or at least a nearly necessary, insufficient, but nearly necessary chance for the world to make progress in those things. That's my that's my sort of take. And, and the people who share my sort of progressive patriots who share that viewpoint, who are, who are now have growing skepticism around folks who have as their first target, the, like say that Joe Biden, for going after Joe Biden as their, as their sort of first target of anger, not that that guy is above approach, you know, there's no human beings that have been elected office has been a probe approach, but that that should be the first target of our ire. I get real, I, I get real skeptical. The folks who like the former president are really quick to defend uh, Vladimir Putin it gets me real skeptical. And as you wa- as we watch what's going on, what seems pretty clear to me, and it's even related to this Brian Boquist thing, is folks say, hey, listen, democracy has been under attack not only a little bit. The the emerging powers in the world, Vladimir Putin is, is not from the most powerful country, but is one of the most, might be the most powerful person, either him or uh, him, the U.S. president, the head of China, the most powerful people in the world. And, the, uh, and he has the advantage of not being fettered by checks and balances of a Congress, legislature, a press, etc. So one could argue that Putin is more powerful than a given American president, if an American president might be in his pocket. He's even more powerful than that, that those things are true threats to democracy and the alternative and the rising powers of Xi Jinping and, uh, and, and Donald Trump and the Republican Party and Vladimir Putin. These things are not pro-democracy movements. And my hunch is that Merkel was waiting to see what happened. Now, it's just a guess. One hypothesis worth testing and maybe never testing is whether she was waiting to see if, in fact, Joe Biden was going to be able to ascend to the presidency before she bounced from her role. Because if you had Germany that was thrown into some degree of chaos or was able to be won by you know, white nationalists who to some degree are white internationalists because there's so many international ties uh, betwixt these white supremacists, uh, then all of a sudden that gets even scarier. So, okay, next on Jeff Conspiratorial Hour, coming up soon, 971-220-5979. Feel free to text in. Dad, what do you got next? Well, it, this this is not international, 
but it, because it relates to what is happening to Alexei Navalny, I have to note the the arrest or the the in charge in Florida against Rachel Rebecca Jones, who was the bureaucrat wanted to tell the truth about COVID and was fired by DeSantis, and DeSantis now has apparently engineering her arrest. And that is pretty scary to me. And while we're talking about COVID, COVID continues to be rampant around the country. And the last international I want to mention is something I didn't realize. There are still four Latin American countries, one of which is Dominican Republic, which ban all abortions, period. No no excuse for an abortion. And the the Dominican Republic, what is happening there, anybody who will, will take a look at the awful stuff that happens in the Dominican Republic to women who cannot get a legal abortion and who will be prosecuted if they do and, if, and the person who performed it will be sentenced up to 20 years in jail, the, the, the awful situation when abortions are totally illegal Take a look at the Dominican Republic. Well, that I want. You have any other international news? Because I want to start getting nope. to some of this, the local stuff. All right. Well, one of the things on my mind is the new strain of the coronavirus. Yeah, and the first one that showed up was somebody at PSU, apparently. No, University of Portland, Dad. That's really different. Like well, that's U, right. It was U of P, right? Well, that's a real different. One's private. One's public. The public yes. school's fine. It's a private school. Everybody's dying of COVID. No, that's not true. One person, one employee came down with the new the new strain. I don't know. We don't know even know how we know how they got the new strain or how we know that they have it. We don't know enough about how that testing works. Here's the bad news. Well, here's okay. So the good news is it's good news. It has basically the same symptoms. The bad news and is the Max apparently will get it, but the bad news is that it, it that it propagates itself quicker. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you said the vaccine apparently is effective on it. That's good. So now it's really the race of the new strain to try to mutate itself before our vaccine can knock it out. Boy, howdy. It's like a it's like an evil video game with lives at stake. Predictions that we're going to be getting to half a million deaths by uh, by what March uh, in the United States. That's scary and horrible. Uh, the. Uh, also in uh, also happening around here, the legislative session has been delayed. They're not going to be started legislative session when they were because partly because of COVID and partly because of the danger of, pro- of protests. Yeah, here's Peter Courtney's quote. There's concern the state police don't quite know what the level of intensity of demonstrations might be because what's happening, what's happened before, excuse me, to the Oregon Capitol. Remember in December, Mike Nearman, Republican representative intentionally opened the door to far-right demonstrators to the state capitol building. I wonder if that, I wonder if that helped make Boquas bounce. He's like, listen, my, this guy is supposed to be my political party. We're under, like, there's people literally attacking capitol buildings, and he's like, helping them? I'm not in that dude's party. I think it might be as simple as that. Uh, Governor Brown announced she would dispatch Oregon National Guard troops to the Capitol on an as-needed basis. One National Guard soldier is being investigated by the FBI for social media posts supporting far-right groups Patriot Front and the Proud Boys. That's scary stuff, by the way. Those are those are seditious rioters. Uh, inauguration week is going to be tense. The FBI agent in charge of the Portland field office had this to say, in terms of the potential for violence, I would say it's elevated over what we normally see. Well, Dad, so yeah, legislative session supposed to start on the 19th to be held completely remotely. Meetings are canceled completely until convenings can be held safely. Uh, Paul Evans says that he generally spends two to three days in the office of the Capitol in a normal week. I'm not going to let yahoos keep me from my normal routine of serving the public. Paul Evans is a patriot, by the way. Of course, uh, of course he, he, he feels comfortable going in because nobody else is there. Exactly. <laughs> It's not a it's not a hot, it's not a hot target. It's not a hot target at this point. And you know he's got a military background. Uh, Dad, what local news are you paying attention to? What statewide news are you paying attention to? What Vancouver, Washington news are you paying attention to? Well, you you meant you mentioned in the in the intro to the show right the fact that Dan Ryan's house has been vandalized something like seven times. Seven times. And and, 
and, and I, this is I, I'm going to mount my hobby horse one more time uh, to, to Mike Schmidt. I wish we'd had a little bit more time with him last Thursday. To law enforcement generally, and and to peaceful demonstrators, to peaceful protesters, you need to help nail, identify people who break windows, people who do graffiti, people who throw throw missiles at you need to help identify them they need to be arrested they need to be prosecuted they need to be convicted and then one of the things i think really needs to happen is then at the sentencing one of the things that must should be required in their sentencing is for them to sit down have to sit down with the victims of their violence with the victims of their vandalism and hear from those victims how they feel about the about the invasion of of the space that that innocent small business that gets its window broken that innocent business that gets that gets graffiti all over it how do they feel about that? They should have to sit down and listen. Well, that one of the, uh, and I just, and I don't know if Ted Wheeler's gonna be able to do this, and I don't think Charlie Hills could have done this. I think Sarah Ironone could have done this. That uh, the Steve Dean's column of the crisis of confidence that's facing Portland's downtown. Uh, that the, uh, what is the future of downtown going to be? And be clear, that's not just the ambit of. Uh, of, of vandalist protesters that is not merely that is not merely the responsibility of covid that is also the responsibility of amazon and the decline of standard retail and the need to rethink business models but when cities around the country in the 1970s were seeing white white flight as you were seeing vast urban decay one of the things that made portland special was revitalization of its downtown was the uh, creation of Waterfront Park was the creation of Pioneer Square was the installation of uh, light rail. The, the great legacy, the great legacy of Neil Goldschmidt. While cities around the country were the inner cities were dying, ours was vitalized. And the and so many people who played a so many people who played a role in that. And my uh, and we don't want to see. We don't want to see the heart of our city, which I don't want to define merely as a geographic area. I, the heart of our city are its human beings, but our human beings need to gather somewhere and not only on the next door app. And the having a downtown that we are proud of, that is not only for commerce, but includes commerce, that's a critical thing for our town. And up to now, it has felt, you know, in, in the past year, it has felt like those who stood up for, and, and in part because they yelled louder about what was happening to Louis Vuitton bags than they were about what was happening to black lives, what was happening with, in fact, the struggle for justice, which obviously is first, second, and third. Having What we do now to have a downtown that manifests our values and that is something that we are proud of is something, something I will acknowledge I care about, and I hope other people care about it, and I, and, and I hope we can figure out how to care about it in a way that feels pro-justice, pro-democracy, pro-love, pro-compassion, pro-an oddball Portland, pro-a place where human beings belong that is not only run for the benefit of the extraction of capital, but that we care about our city. And, uh, and I would, and I'm just going to put that out there into the zeitgeist, that uh, anybody who wants to help with a little cleanup effort, who wants to help with sort of be on the side of justice and on the side of, you know, a nice place to live, those are the folks I think we want to highlight and, and, and raise up at this point in history. Another piece of local news that is worth mentioning is, it, it is encouraging to me. The, uh, the city, the Portland School Board is going to get a proposal is is now received a proposal from the committee which was created to examine the question to get rid of the name of Woodrow Wilson High and change it to Ida B. Wells Barnett High. She was one a great uh, black civil rights leader and 
that, that's going to be that's going to happen, I think, and that's kind of a neat thing. Ida, I did. I knew about Ida B. Wells. I must acknowledge, in many and in, in among many of areas of ignorance, I didn't know it was Ida B. Wells Barnett. Uh, and and in fact, if you look up Ida B. Wells, there are things that just say Ida B. Wells. Uh, but uh, yeah, critically, critically important figure. People people followed the uh, the the story, uh, she, you know, the story of uh, Woodrow Wilson and the name change. We've talked about it here. She was one of the founders of the NAACP. She was a journalist and educator, one of the early leaders in the civil rights movement. Continued to fight for uh, voting rights for women. Uh, and we will now probably have a Wells Barnett. It's a good question what it's going to be called. It's just going to be a Wells Barnett High School. Is good, like what, What's the short form, right? It's a, like, it's, you know, it's not the Theodore Roosevelt High School. It's just Roosevelt. BWB. It's a good question, right? It won't be up to me, but I'm curious about it. Uh, Mayor Wheeler has asked Commissioner Hardesty to speed up the street response rollout. Sent her a memo saying, hustle up. I ask in your continued role as commissioner in charge of Portland Fire and Rescue, chief sponsor of the new program, you find ways to move more quickly towards implementation. He's urging that she include and consider uh, outside contractors to get it started rather than waiting for uh, the development of city employees to do it. Because uh, and, and she's like, well, that might not help. So we'll track that. Obviously, a lot riding on the transformation of community safety generally. And when she was pitching the idea at a TEDx conference a couple of years back, it was you know, a visionary idea to think about, okay, what are the calls? Because so much in government, right? We're like, well, here are the institutions we have. And so how do we use those institutions to do things? That's an important analysis. But the other analysis that's important is, what are the things the community is facing? What are the problems that need to be solved? you're looking at 911, for instance, what are the calls that come into 911? And then second question, what are the areas of expertise that are needed? What are the problem-solving skills needed to respond to those things? And the next question is, who could do that? And if it's not somebody readily available, how do we get the kind of crew to do that, which including which including them might also transform cultures within community safety? So I, there's a visionary move. we got a lot of work to do to implement it. We'll continue to track that story. Dad, you got any thoughts on Portland Street response? That's a bad question by me, but I want to engage it. Do I have any what? Any thoughts about Portland Street response? Yeah, I have. I have the the the, the challenge. The challenge to heal the rift, the chasm that exists between the men and women in blue, and particularly minority minority populations, is is so vast to restore, well not restore, to create the trust that is needed if you are going to have success there in that area is uh, is just something that needs to be addressed so frontally in, in so many ways. And one of the really troubling things is there's there are just a whole lot of gunfire going on in our city right now and uh, the police believe that it is that is in part due to the dissolution of the unit that was particularly devoted to that subject. Whether that's true or not, uh, I don't pretend to have enough information to express an opinion. But but we need to do. There's a whole lot of shooting going on that we need to do something about. No, it's a, and Vera Katz. You know, she. I think the gang enforcement task task force was uh, was developed when Vera Katz was mayor, and working on what then was a sort of raft of of gang activity. And and I, this is such a tricky one, right? How do we manifest our desire to have a less racially biased application of justice, which is not liberal hooey. It's just the math. Okay, the math is that we are that we do not manifest pro-social, pro-democracy values in a, any sufficient measure when it comes to the arrest and incarceration of people of color, particularly black, young black males. Okay, that's not, that's not liberal hooey, that's just facts. And then how do you, how do you nest that alongside the need to uh, address gun violence and do so in a way that is effective? And, how do you, and, and are those things related or are they unrelated? And how do you make sure the application of trying to solve one thing that you're not screwed up the application of other things and, and, and can you decouple them fully uh, and they are they only coupled in our brains uh, this is this is a 
a real challenge. And and one of the one of my hopes for Joanna Hardesty's leadership is that she has she will have enough uh, enough moral enough moral trust to develop Portland State Response in a way that will be uh, that will be truly effective. Uh, one of the things that I hope is that we can have a uh, is that we'll have community leaders. Who, I know John Candy used to be engaged in this, but have community leaders who step up, who don't look like what they're, who are very clearly not on the side of white supremacy, very clearly not on the side of authoritarianism, very clearly not on the side of just of just trying to keep the world safe for the transfer of capital. People are actually caring about human beings uh, and are and genuinely caring about society, who are also figuring out how we are going to have a more and more safe place. The good news is that we are still living a much safer place than we did in the 1970s and 1980s. And we don't and we shouldn't get people ginned up too much about being scared because for the most part, we live in a pretty darn safe place and we don't need to pile on to uh, Fox News images that have my distant cousins, uh, distant, not in relationship, but distance and just in, in geography, thinking that we live in a war zone, which we don't. Dad, I got a question for you. What would you do if you stole a car and there was a baby inside? <laughs> if I stole the car or when you did and was a baby inside what would I do well uh, are there uh, are there fresh diapers in the car <laughs> no yes well let's for argument's sake we'll say yes at least a couple okay well the first thing I do is check and see if we needed to change its diaper you don't think that's assault? Like, don't you know? You don't like. I, that worries me. You're saying cha- you're already changing some other family's kid's diaper. I don't know, Dad. I mean, I, it sounds nurturing. It also sounds well, kind of creepy. This, this is obviously an introduction to a story, and I think you need to tell the story. Did you see this thing? <laughs> Go for it. But did you see it? No, I missed it. Somebody stole a car. There was a baby inside, and they drove away with the baby. And then they came back, and they dropped off the baby, and then they drove away with the car again. You're kidding me! I'm not kidding. It's fantastic. I, I I don't I don't know I don't know exactly how to react because how 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 did they go about dropping off the baby? Just put it on the sidewalk? I think so. Yeah, is it re- police responded to a business on the uh, one uh, what one one nine hundred block of Southwest Canyon Road on Saturday. Okay, a woman said she went into Basics Meat Market to get a couple things. She left her four-year-old son in the car with the engine running. While she was inside, the man got in the car and drove off. Then the man drove back, yelled at her, threatened to call the police because she left her son in the car. The man ordered her to get her son out of the car, and then he drove off again. So I guess he put it back in the mom's... I guess the mom took it. Uh, so there you go. And while we're talking about... while we're ta- Dad, this can't be a while we're talking about. I know that's your segue of no... But, like, I, I am... I, while we're talking... I want to see what we're while we're talking about. While we're talking about babies who get stolen in cars and well, driven four, back to meat markets... You said a baby. Four-year-old is not a baby. Child... For, now you're like now you're really glad you didn't check its diaper. For, for, I I would I would hope there would not be a need for a diaper on a four year old. The child was not harmed. The four year old boy. Moms, we get really busy. We think we're just running in for a second. It's a perfect example of letting our guards down. How terribly it could have ended. The car is a 2013 silver Honda, silver Honda Pilot, Oregon plates 357 GLV. Anyone with police? No. Anyone with information is asked to call the police. Anyway, there you go, Dad. And anything you want to make sure we? I just I don't know that 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 story. Bankruptcies are down, Dad. Did you see that? Yes, they are down. Why do you think? Well, well I think a combination of things, but I think I, I suspect maybe the very biggest reason yeah. is that creditors are recognizing that uh, they they need to go slow in demanding payment of overdue bills simply because they may not ever get paid anyway and so there's just I, I think that that is is one of the things you want to hear mine here's yeah. mine it's a weird one I think it's because it's not mutually exclusive to other reasons I think it's because the great recession was only 12 years ago that's what I think and that and that means several things 
It means that it means it includes what you just said is large financial organizations like, oh, wait a minute. If we start foreclosing all this stuff, that causes a chain reaction and everything could go down, including our own portfolios. Right. That that the government looked around and said, oh, if we don't do anything, things can get real, real, real bad. If the only thing we do is bail out people at the very top, if we only give money to Lehman Brothers, then that might not really save the economy. We also might need to send out some checks. We might also need to send some money to small businesses. We also need to actually deploy the power of the federal government to make sure that society doesn't crumble and that those memories are in our minds because instead of just thinking of, oh, yeah, I remember something about the Great Depression way back when, instead of like, oh, wait a minute, that wasn't that long ago and we really could have a depression this time. And I think that means lots of things, including why we got a, a meaningful, uh, in fact, a couple of meaningful uh, federal uh, federal recovery bills, uh, as well as being a little bit different conduct. And I, I will acknowledge a couple other things that the uh, and, and oh, and people, I think, being a little more careful as well. Uh, we'll see, though, everybody knock on some wood, cross your fingers, because as we know, things are changing. Uh, the uh, uh, some of the moratoriums. Oh, that's another huge one is the uh, and this is in that same bucket. I still I'm going to stick with a headline I had but another proof point for it. Another piece of evidence is the not allowing foreclosures, not allowing evictions. So that is particularly the foreclosures thing by having just foreclosure moratorium. That has meant that's one of that's kind of the thing that started the uh, started the dominoes falling back in 2008, 2009. Dad, we're about time to wrap up to call up Darren Todd. Anything you want to say prior to that or it's time for a straw in the wind? Before we do that, I just want to put put on the put out as something for us to talk about in the future is access to Twitter. Twitter put a 12-hour halt to Marjorie Taylor Greene, the QAnon sympathizer in Congress who keeps putting out crap, but but what what is the responsibility of Twitter, and what is okay and what is not okay for them to decide who gets to use their services? That's something there. And with that teaser for maybe Thursday, I have straws in the wind. Like a straw. In First straw. Are there bar problems for Rudy, Sydney, and Cleet? I'm going to watch that with interest. Second straw in the wind. The NRA. Is, has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and wants to move his headquarters to Texas. That could be a major straw. And then Pope Francis has ruled that women can now read some of the liturgy in the Mass. That could turn out to be a major straw in the wind. Well, Dad, we did it one more time. We did it indeed. We'll be back on Thursday. Love you, lad. Love you, Pop.